As the world heads into uncharted territory, business leaders are seeking perspective. The What Now, What Next podcast series features KPMG advisors addressing the issues that are of most concern now and in the near future. Today, I'd like to introduce Sean McKee, Matt Giordano, and Kim Vazislak. Our three guests will spend some time talking with us today about developments and valuations as a result of COVID-19. Sean, Matt, and Kim, as we begin, would you introduce yourselves to our listeners? Hi, I'm Kim Zavislak, an audit partner with KPMG in Columbus. I've lived in Columbus now 21 years, but grew up in Michigan. So you can imagine the resilience I've built up over that time. And this is Sean McKee. I'm the national practice leader for our public investment management practice. And I come to you today from Princeton, New Jersey, and grew up in a combination of Columbus, Ohio, and Washington, D.C. Hi, Stacey. This is Matt Giordano. I'm an audit partner in our Boston office, and I also had the pleasure in a past life to work for the Securities and Exchange Commission for five years. So I'm going to be answering some of the regulatory questions today. Very good. Thank you all for being here. You know, our goal with this series has been to get some really bright people in the room and then ask them to offer up the interesting and even unique perspectives that they have that can benefit our listeners. I'm very glad that you made the time to join us today. So COVID-19 and the resulting financial crisis are testing valuation policies and they're testing procedures too in ways that they have not since the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009. The two primary drivers of activity are liquidity and fixed income classes and volatility in all classes. Today's podcast will provide an overview of the most important things that the public investment market should think about in terms of valuation from the management board and regulatory perspective. As we start today's podcast, I'd like to begin by asking, what are you seeing in the market? As you share your perspectives, I'm curious if you could provide a bit of background and even some real-life examples. Kim, let's start with you, and then Sean and Matt can round out our discussion. Sure. Registrants are challenged to keep up with the operational and liquidity challenge in the current environment. So for certain asset classes, we are seeing a significant decrease in the volume of activity. These types of market conditions act as a real-life test, not only for how well registrants' policies are written, but how well they can execute on them. So you mentioned a couple of key drivers that are testing the policies and procedures, and those really include the liquidity and the fixed income market, as well as the volatility we're seeing in all asset classes. For example, we're seeing more defaults in securities placed on non-accrual status, also considerations around PIC bonds that may not pay out current interest, but they need to be considered in fair value determinations and whether or not continued income accrual is still appropriate. Also, mutual funds calculate an NAV on a daily basis. So depending on the portfolio makeup, some of our registrants are finding it more challenging to calculate the NAVs in a timely manner. Sean, anything additional? Well, I think about what we're seeing today. I'd say we're seeing obviously a lot more challenges resulting from the volatility coupled with, in, in some cases, decreased liquidity, although it's interesting because some of, some of the securities actually have more liquidity than they did in the past, which can be very helpful in terms of uh, pricing. Going off of what Kim mentioned around fixed income and the defaults, I'll break it into a couple pieces. Area where we're pricing the most challenges for people in valuation is around the collateralized loan obligations or the CLO market. That's tending to have a little bit more 
pressure, and we're seeing that. And it's interesting. It's not the equity tranches, which are priced right now very low. It's actually more of some of the air fixed income tranches to that. And we are seeing issues and challenges around the pricing. In fact, what we're also seeing with respect to the pricing vendors working through the pricing of that is we're seeing clients instituting more pricing challenges in that environment, and we're seeing those challenges stick. The interesting thing around those challenges is when the pricing vendors change the price, they may do so retroactively and not tell you, so you have to be aware if there are any pricing challenges that they've accepted and basically backdated any of the pricing. So that's something that we're seeing. On the private loan side, Tim mentioned already the collectability and pick, but we're seeing people basically spending a lot of time with the lead syndicator for the loans as well as the underlying borrower around what their ability to pay is and whether there's going to need to be any modifications or forbearances and what the impact that is on valuation. So we are seeing quite a bit of that as well. And then we see people really working through current procedures and asking themselves, is there anything that is happening in the current marketplace which would require me to basically alter my procedures, change evaluation methodology, and really think about that, make sure that they report that through protocols already established and approved by the board. So that's also an area where we're seeing items as people go through their normal processes of just their controls in terms of back testing the prices if they do have sales of securities or purchases of securities and how those are looking at the next pricing or the previous pricing, depending on where it was a purchase or sale, and then comparing that and making sure that what they're experiencing in the market is consistent with the values they're seeing provided by the pricing vendors. That's an area where we continually see people doing their procedures, but also really scrutinizing those results. So that's what we're currently seeing out there as some of the bigger things. Matt, anything from a regulator's lens that you can say where you see things happening in the market and people focusing? Sean, maybe I'll almost take a step back. I think in general, I've really been impressed by how quickly the SEC chair, Jay Clayton, and the commissioners have responded to the crisis and granted certain relief and how the SEC staff has been on top of it as well and issued a number of no action letters. I thought orders and the no action letters were quick. I thought that they were thoughtful. The relief really didn't loosen shareholder protections. There were some modifications to the rules, but the commission and staff did a great job of finding that balance and implementing guardrails to protect investors and also allowing management and the capital markets to work under the current conditions that they're under for this COVID-19 issue. And two examples of that is the temporary relief for boards to the in-person meetings and then the asset coverage relief that came out as well. And that's high level. But when you talk about valuation, it's just a different animal. We saw valuation issues, and I know we mentioned this earlier, in 2008 and 2009. And the commission was very clear, right? You can't say that there's full market dislocation just because of a market event that's happening. You can't say the whole market is dislocated. You have to 
say that with respect to certain individual securities. And the SEC has come out and said, and so is the FASB, they've reiterated this position that they've had in the past that you can't say the market is dislocated. Outside that, there hasn't been a whole lot that the SEC has come out and said, except make sure that you're valuing your investments in accordance with GAAP and also in accordance with the securities law and make sure that you're still calculating your NAV under 2A4. So we're really working with our clients to make sure that the valuations are in accordance with GAAP and the securities law as well. You know, oftentimes when we talk with our advisors, we begin to get a sense of the biggest pain points and challenges. And the three of you have helped really paint a picture of the impact of volatility on the current landscape. Let's now turn to people. I'd like for the three of you to walk us through how people and stakeholders are responding during this time. And because I have the good fortune to have all three of you with me, I'd like to capitalize on each of your perspectives. Let's start with you, Kim. What are you seeing and hearing from management? We're definitely seeing management involve the valuation committee where necessary, so more activity in that area. Definitely staying focused on their pricing vendors and making sure that what they're receiving from the pricing vendors is appropriate based on experience from the last financial crisis. I think that's really important. Management is also trying to work through the immediate crisis as well as address any vulnerabilities that have been exposed by the current market conditions because it has been quite a while since we've seen this kind of volatility. So I think it is testing their current policies and procedures and causing them to determine if there's any vulnerabilities exposed that they need to address. Sean, do you want to cover from the board's perspective? It's interesting. As the board goes through and deals with the situation, we're seeing a lot more communication between the board and management, the auditors and the chief compliance officers. And what they're asking is they're trying to really get behind what are the stresses and pressures that each of the parties are seeing and seeing where there's overlap in those responses, seeing where there's differences in those responses and testing and pushing on that so they've got a feel for where truly are the stresses and pressures and how are people dealing with them. They're having discussions around resources. Are the resources sufficient to do the job in this challenging environment? How is the work at home environment facilitating or challenging getting that work done well, then making sure and asking questions around is there the right degree of connectivity? Is fund accounting and financial reporting, are they communicating actively with the chief compliance officer, with the portfolio managers, and understanding what the portfolio managers are seeing in the market, that information is being factored back into the valuation process. Talking with the pricing vendors, the management's actively talking with the pricing vendors to understand where the pricing vendors are having challenges and supplementing where necessary. So just making sure that all the various constituents who are responsible for basically arriving at that fair value estimate are really well connected and talking to each other actively so that you can get to a good fair value estimate at the end of the day is really where we see the boards focusing a lot of their efforts. Sean, you bring up a really good point, and I'll take this from a regulator side. And one of the things that I want to make sure that people are really thinking through and considering is 
how this will look to regulators and what policies and procedures do you have in place right now that could be more robust or could be more accurate and how can you fine tune those without throwing the model out? What we've seen from a number of our clients that they are still going through OC exams. OC exams have not slowed down because of this COVID-19 issue. There's still exams that are going on. And one of the areas that I think that we'll see efficiencies come out of is around valuation and where somebody looked at a model decided that the model wasn't working right under these circumstances and then threw the model out. And I would say be very careful if you decide a model is not working or you can no longer rely on it and make sure that you have sufficient documentation for the reasoning to not use that model anymore. The other area where I think we'll see some response from the regulators is around valuation guidance. And, you know, the SEC has been talking about valuation guidance for years and years and years. I think that after this crisis that there will be more of an appetite to issue valuation guidance for boards. I think it'll be more principles-based than very prescriptive, but I do think that we'll see valuation guidance come out after this. I'm appreciative of the 360-degree viewpoint the three of you are putting together for our listeners. And we're now at a place in our podcast where we like to hear about outcomes from people on the front lines. You can be as broad or as practical as you like. Starting with you, Kim, what are you seeing? Definitely been a lot more work and effort on the part of management and the board, I would say. There are more exceptions that management is seeing in some of their shadow pricing as well as day-over-day price movement. So I would say it's work in process. That's right. It is more effort and there's more challenge. When we look at the outcomes and what good outcomes are, obviously you want a reasonable and fair value estimate. But you also want to make sure that if there were significant challenges along the way, that you have your documentation so that you can evidence that you went through that diligent process. So we're seeing people be very careful to make sure that as they go through the diligent process, they also evidence that they had a good diligent process. So we're seeing that as a positive outcome. As we come to the end of our time together, one of the most important questions we ask on this series of COVID podcasts is whether you have tips for our listeners. We're living through one of the most challenging and uncertain times in recent history, and nearly everyone is affected. Additionally, people are having to respond in real time to new information, which means that what you share today might not be applicable tomorrow. However, in light of that, with the information you do have today, how can organizations and their stakeholders create cultures of readiness and resilience for the future? Let's start with Sean and then fold in Matt, and then Kim, could you close this out today? People are doing a good job of identifying the issues. What I would say is tips, and I'll get very specific. If you have significant amounts of private loans, or even for all of fixed income really, but especially if you have private loans, the interplay of credit risk and collectability of income to that valuation proposition is crucial. So making sure that you've worked through with the portfolio managers, with management, 
an understanding of what the risks are to the collectability of that income going forward, where there's any loan modifications or forbearances, and really understanding that and making sure that that is being factored into the valuation process. The other thing I would say on a very detailed perspective is if you have any investments and alternative investment funds and you're carrying those at the net asset value as a practical expedient to arriving at fair value, remember that you need to be assessing the diligence of that underlying fund's NAV calculation process and the ending result. So make sure you have good due diligence. Make sure that management's talking to the underlying funds, understanding what information they're going to get when and how that's being factored into the valuation process. On a more macro basis, I would say remember one thing from a fair value, and Matt mentioned this earlier, but it's so critical, is that fair value under the accounting standards is what you could sell it for on the day when you're estimating that value, regardless of whether you sold it for or not. And that differs from what ultimate realizable value may be. Sometimes people tend to forget that and they think, well, ultimately I'll realize X. And while that has some relevance to the estimate, it does not have a direct correlation. You really have to ask yourself, Yes, but what can I sell it for today? And that's what you're trying to answer for in the accounting framework. In terms of sustainability and going forward, and we saw this during the Great Recession and during other times of stress, this really, at the end of the day, will allow people to see what worked well, what could use improvement, and basically taking those learnings and improving upon their processes We're actively seeing very good practices, and I think once we're past the current challenges, as long as people take what they've learned and then refine their processes, it'll just create that much better of a process and a more sustainable process going forward. I would echo what Sean had said. It is so important to make sure that you value your investments, what you can sell them for. When we go back and look at the valuation cases that we've seen come out of the 2008 and 2009 timeframe, the SEC enforcement cases, the vast majority of those cases were around items where there was a value, there was market movement, that there were inputs that you known or should have known about and you decided not to use that information. So if there's information out there, make sure you're using it and make sure that you're valuing your investment and what you could sell them for today, which is what Sean mentioned. The other item that I would mention quickly on a go-forward basis, and we're already seeing that, is folks re-examining their disclosures, and specifically the disclosures around valuation and also some of the risk of the investments that they're investing in, ensuring that those are accurate and they're robust and that they have all the information that they should have in it. And I think now is a good time to go back and review that disclosure from a financial statement standpoint, but also from a risk standpoint in your prospectus as well. The only thing I would add is management and the board, making sure the right individuals are involved in the oversight and implementation of the valuation policies and procedures, and specifically portfolio managers, for example, are very close to the market activity, but it is important to understand their involvement in the related conflicts of interest, but they are closest to the market activity, so involving them at the right level 
as well as ensuring that your evaluation committee has the right individuals involved. Several things stand out from what you guys said, and I just want to repeat them for the benefit of our listeners. I heard you saying, understand the risks. Remember the importance of fair value. Re-examine disclosures to ensure that they're accurate. Get the right people involved. And at the end of the day, when the dust settles from COVID-19, assess what worked well and refine your processes from there. So Sean, Matt, and Kim, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your time and insight on this really important topic. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. We'll look forward to bringing you other insights from our KPMG advisors in the next edition of What Now, What Next? And in the meantime, you can check out the other podcasts in our series at visit.kpmg.us slash COVID-19.